Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast. I am your host, Zach Bitter, and today I have a solo episode for you. Today's solo episode is a topic that I have been meaning to do an episode on for quite some time, and it is the mental aspect of racing. You can probably extend that to the mental approach to training as well, or even the mental approach to life, because I do think there's going to be some crossovers here that can be valuable in terms of how you actually think about doing anything you're doing, or at least how you're processing it in the moment versus just kind of coasting through, so to speak. So generally, I think this maybe will be a little more applicable for longer endurance events like marathon, ultra marathon type distances, as I would describe the mental challenge for events like that in a compartment where you're dealing with maybe a more subtle, long lasting discomfort where you've got plenty of time and focus to really concentrate on what you did or did not do. Whereas on the shorter endurance events like 5Ks and 10Ks, although you're definitely thinking about things in those type of events, they tend to be a lot faster acting and you just don't really have too much time to worry about a mistake you made at mile two until after the race sometimes. So I find the just the dichotomy between those two types of events to be interesting where the shorter stuff is going to be a little more of a sharp, acute pain that you have to be able to deal with versus a duller, longer lasting pain that you have a lot of time to have to deal with Neither is necessarily easy or harder, in my opinion, to manage. It just is a little bit of a different skill set. If you like these topic-based episodes that are more skewed towards planning and executing workouts and races and things like that, I do essentially have a series at this point that has a lot of variables that are worth considering that more or less began when I did an episode titled Endurance Training Simplified. So I'm just going to list off the other options that kind of go along with this one. If you're interested in that catalog, so to speak. So it started out with episode 337, the long run, considering the variables. And I really liked diving into that topic specifically. So I ended up following that one up with just episode 344 endurance training simplified. And that was actually more or less just because of a lot of new people coming into running a lot of people that I noticed had been running for a while, but maybe not with a lot of structure and were finding just essentially a limitless amount of information available online and, and anywhere. And we're curious about how do I simplify this all down to a manageable amount of things to consider early on, build some structure that can be solid, and then take that bigger step of maybe getting a little more creative with workouts and things like that once you kind of have the fundamentals in place. So I did that one. After that, that spurred on a little bit of a deeper dive into the individual components of it, which included episode 346, short interval simplified, episode 348, long interval simplified, episode 352, proper aid station navigation, and then episode 356, easy run simplified. So I would actually consider this as a nice add-in to that list in terms of just targeting the mental side of of training and racing and things like that to sort of give that side of the equation a little bit of attention. If you are interested in raffles and free things, I actually do have some options for you 
if you want to participate. It is actually a free 30-minute consultation with me. So if you want to hop on a call and chat about your training, chat about anything, got questions, uh, this might be something that's worth paying attention to. All you got to do to enter the raffle is share an episode that you listened to and enjoyed on your social media platform. Tag me. If you don't tag me, I won't know. So share it, tag me. That's all you got to do. Once I see that, I will screenshot it or document it and put it on my list. And then at the end of every month, I'm going to just randomly select one out of that list and announce it on the next show. So last episode I announced July's winner, I'll likely be announcing August's winner in early September once we get through the month of episodes and all the, the content sharing on that. So if you have or will share an episode, that's greatly appreciated. It really helps me grow the audience and have people discover some of these topics that I'm discussing that maybe would have otherwise not seen it. So I'm appreciative for those who've been participating so far and appreciative of those who are going to going forward. And hopefully that raffle for a 30 minute consultation is uh, a way for me to say thank you for that. Before we get rolling with the episode on mental training, I do want to mention that if you do enjoy the show, but just want to jump right to it and support it along the way, I do have a show Patreon page where I will upload the audio version of every episode very soon after I get done recording it. So it's up there early before the public release and it's just straight into the topic. So if you want to skip the ads, skip the intro, get right to the content, support the show along the way, there are different support options on that show Patreon page. You can find that by just heading to the show landing page at zachbitter.com forward slash HPO. That page also has the full catalog of episodes, details, links, and things that go along. So if you're looking to just get an idea of everything that's out there with this podcast, that's a great landing page for both support options as well as information for each episode. Also, Element Electrolytes have been a primary sponsor of this show this year. They have been supporting the show for the entirety of the year, and they are also my electrolyte of choice. Reason being is they have a wide range of very tasty electrolytes that I can use, and I use quite liberally this time of year when it gets hot in training. They have a variety of options, citrus, watermelon, orange, grapefruit, raspberry, chocolate, mango, chili, raw, unflavored. And each one of their single serving packets, I say single serving packets, but really it depends. <laughs> each one of their packets has a thousand milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium and 60 milligrams of magnesium. So what that means is if you know what your electrolyte loss is, then you can start putting that into your drinks during training and just anytime you're really going to be losing a lot of fluid to help keep that balance of hydration with the electrolyte side to it. If you're interested in electrolytes as a whole and hydration, I did an episode with Andy Blow, episode 358, where we dove into how you can figure out your personal electrolyte and hydration needs. And I won't say anything more because if you listen to that episode, all the content's in there. And it's a great one. If you're curious about whether you're maybe not getting enough, especially this time of year where we do tend to lose a lot more fluid when you're out there training in the heat. Uh, Cool thing about Element is they are right now offering a free sample pack for anyone who comes to them through this show. And that sample pack includes those flavors I mentioned with your first purchase. 
All you got to do is go to drinklmnt.com forward slash HPO, and you'll be prompted to get that free sample pack that allow you to try all the different flavors, decide if there's one you like more than the others. I've been leaning towards watermelon for my intro workout stuff. And then if it's a really longer session, that's hot. I want to preload a little bit. Sometimes I'll put a half a pack of chocolate in with my morning coffee or tea if I need to load up on that. Also, exogenous ketones, they have become something that is continuing to gain momentum and have been for quite some time. I did an episode with Brandon Stubbs a few years ago at this point where we talked about exogenous ketone research and where it was at. At the time, it was heavily skewed towards recovery as something that was showing up in the literature. But since then, we've had more studies come out that would suggest there may actually be a performance application. A couple very specific ones relative to endurance is exogenous ketone relationships with increasing natural levels of EPO, as well as increasing circulating dopamine concentrations, improving mental alertness, and improving post-exercise inflammation in endurance athletes. The reason why I like Delta G is Delta G is the ketone ester formula that is used in all the research, essentially. So they're the ones that got the DARPA research funding. They're the ones who've done the 50 plus research studies and they have 20 plus ongoing ones that are actually answering these questions for us. And when you look at the exogenous ketone market, it is wide ranging in what they actually are giving you. So having the actual formulation that is being used to show the results in the research is important to me because I want to get the results that are shown in the research. And their product Delta G performance is the one I'll use. If it's a big workout, I'll have one 20 minutes before. If it's a race, I'll do the same thing and then have another bottle of uh, performance every three hours after that. If you're curious about their product, the research, you can go to deltagketones.com. And from there, you can actually sign up for a free consultation and dive into that research and how the usage would maybe be beneficial in your particular lifestyle. That's actually how I first got on board with them was I talked to them over that and uh, figured out where the application would be, tried it out for a while, and then ultimately made it part of my, my program. Links to both of these can be found in the show notes as well as on the sponsor landing page, which is zachbitter.com forward slash HPO sponsors. Let's hop into this one and chat a little bit about structuring your mental preparation for training and racing. So the way I like to think about this is when you get into races, you're in a unique environment. You're doing something that you don't do a lot of relative to everything else. So it's kind of like the test, sort of like you're taking a class in school, you spend weeks, months preparing, and then at the end, you take an exam or you produce some project or something like that, that's essentially a culmination of everything you did. So really, in order to maximize your potential in a scenario like that, you really need to be preparing yourself for the day in bits and pieces versus necessarily doing the entire thing all at once. When I'm thinking of mental preparation for races, I think you need to know that that's the the reality, especially when you're doing longer races where you're going to be out there longer than you'll ever be in training. If you're doing something like a hundred mile, your long run isn't going to get you to a hundred miles. So you're going to travel further on race day than you would in your preparation. And even if we go to shorter endurance races, yeah, you might do some workouts that are very close to replicating the race itself, but you aren't going to actually go out and run that race distance at the intensity you plan to peak at 
or you would have already peeked at it. So I think you always need to first back up and think of both physically and mentally, you're always preparing in pieces and it's the culmination of those pieces together over time that are going to allow you to navigate that. People often consider the physical side of this. They think about, okay, I need to do short intervals here, long intervals here, long run development here, this much easy run volume, and just a progression one to the next working out that. And then all that work together puts them in a position to succeed on race day. And that makes sense to them. And I think they go into a lot of those workouts thinking of it in a way where let's say you're three months out from your race and you know, every workout you're going to do between then and race day. When you step out for that first workout three months before, you're not thinking about the workout in a month or the culmination of all the workouts and how you have to do them all. You're just saying to yourself, I need to do this one workout and I'll get this one done. And then I will start worrying about what's next. So where that becomes interesting to me is we do this intuitively in our training programs, but when we get to race day, it's very difficult to say, not be thinking about the finish line early on in the race. When we really want to be focusing on just what is the first task at hand. I think this becomes more problematic as the distances get longer because you just have more time to overthink things and burn what I call mental energy. So I also like to frame this in a situation where you're dealing with the management of both physical and mental energy on race day. So you should be investing as much time practicing that mental energy side of the equation as you are the physical and finding ways to practice that doing things you already are doing. So you're not necessarily adding extra stuff to the training plan, but you're actually maximizing the time you're already spending. So what this likely means is First of all, be mindful of what you're actually doing in training and that thought process. So when you are going into a workout and you're intuitively thinking, okay, I'm going to do this workout and then I'll worry about tomorrow's or next week's when I get to it, acknowledge that and acknowledge that that's a skill set that you've developed and then transfer that acknowledgement to race day where you're essentially doing the same thing just in a compressed time zone. So you're taking what you do every day and you're compressing it into a shorter time window where let's use the hundred mile as an example. If you're trying to get to that first aid station and then you're also have this dual thought going on about how you have to get to hundred miles, you have this goal for hundred miles and you're over fixating on the entirety of what you're trying to do versus just that first step, you're going to burn too much mental energy with that extra amount of thought that you're having to put into that. When in reality, you need to be a little more tunnel vision or what I like to call zoom in and focus on that first goal. So just like in training, when you manage your energies for any one given workout so that you are able to successfully do the following workouts, you can do that without worrying about the second, third, or fourth workout coming up. You know what intensity and what volume you should be targeting, and you execute that because you know that you need to do that in order to not take future workouts off the table. But in the moment, you're not thinking about those future workouts. This is the exact same thing on race day. You could be in the first five miles of a hundred mile race and 
consciously knowing what intensity you need to be producing to make it sustainable for those next 95. So you're not getting out too fast, but also not worrying about the following 95 because you've already planned out that stuff ahead of time and relieved yourself of that mental burden when you thought about things in training and before the race itself. So trusting the intensity that you're supposed to target and actually just doing that and thinking about that first goal versus worrying about the rest is the direction you want to go much like you would in training. Another example of this that I usually like to share that I think is a really valuable one to make it much more clear. And it's sometimes a really good starting point for people to start recognizing how this all plays out and how they can practice it is interval sessions. I think short interval sessions tend to be even better for this because you just end up doing more of them for a single session. And the way I like to describe this is let's say I'm doing 10 intervals. We'll just call it two by, or I'm sorry, 10 by two minutes. So I'm doing two minutes hard, 10 repetitions with two minutes of recovery in between each. Basically, anytime I do a workout like that, once I start, my mind wants to kind of drift towards I have to do 10 of these and it's easy to let that thought process continue to the point where you start kind of making justifications where you're like, well, maybe eight's a better target. I should probably back off. And you start kind of worrying about your ability to execute all 10 of those because you're thinking of a very hard intensity extrapolated out to a total of 20 minutes when in reality, you only need to be focusing on two minutes at a time you're creating a monster that's not there essentially. So when I get myself into that sort of a thought process, I immediately pull back and think to myself, all right, let's just do the next one. And I can worry about whether 10 is the right number or not. After this one, you finish that one and you just repeat that. So you're constantly bringing yourself back to the moment you're in and executing the one that's on the table and worrying about the next one later. You sort of give yourself this opportunity to, to default that brain power or that mental focus to later. So you justify your ability to focus on the short term and worry about the other stuff later. You want to start thinking about that in the same way. It will be natural for you when you're out there on the race itself for, we'll use the hundred mile example again, to be thinking every once in a while about how you're going to be running a hundred miles that day, but you should quickly divert back and start thinking about that's great. I'll worry about a hundred miles later. Right now, I'm just getting to that next aid station or that next checkpoint that you established before the race as the target that you have in front of you. And when you're practicing that skill set in training and acknowledging that you're doing it versus just doing it intuitively, it just becomes a lot more natural and easy to flow into when you're out there on the race course versus feeling like you have to really focus in order to do that. At the end of the day, these races, especially these longer ones, are just a back and forth between positive and negative self-talk. So when I'm out there in a race and I'm feeling good, I'm getting all sorts of positive reinforcement and positive internal voices telling me what I'm doing is successful, what I'm doing is sustainable. You know, it seems positive to think about what I could potentially do that day versus when I hit a low point and those negative voices start coming in and start creating self-doubt that self-doubt can start spiraling. And when you have that self-doubt start to spiral and then also project further into the race, that's where you become, it becomes problematic. If I'm at a really low point, 70 miles into a hundred miler, 
and I'm thinking about how I have to run 30 miles, I will exhaust myself mentally to the point where I become to think, I begin to think it is undoable and the odds of me dropping out increase significantly versus when I get into a low point at mile 70, I pull myself back mentally and think, okay, 30 miles isn't the goal right now. Getting to that next aid station or getting to mile 75 or whatever that next target is, that's the actual goal. I need to think about that one because I can't get to 100 miles before I get to 75 miles. So there's no reason to think about it. Just like there's no reason to be thinking about the ninth and 10th interval when I'm on interval two on that 10 by two minute interval session. So these things all have similar trends to them and similar thought processes and this back and forth between positive and negative self-talk that the more you practice in training, the better you're going to be able to navigate in racing. What it's also going to do is it's going to highlight something that's very difficult to acknowledge outside of a race. So since you're not going to run a hundred miles in training, you're likely not going to get the ebb and flow of race day where you feel really good. Then all of a sudden you feel kind of bad and then you feel good again. What happens, I think, if you go through that repetition enough for an extended period of time for a longer race, maybe a race longer than you've ever done before, you find yourself in a bit of an area where you don't know necessarily that things could get better or you don't have an experience yet where even though things may feel really bad, they can get better. So recognizing that sort of thing happening in training will help you recognize that on race day even though you're not actually replicating race day 100% the way it will play out on race day. So just like I'll go back to that short interval session, I might feel like I'm incapable of doing 10 when I'm at intervals three or four, but by the time I get to 10 and finish, I may recognize that, hey, the seventh interval was actually my best one. I felt the best on it. I was really excited about it. And I would have never known that was possible had I not continued the workout and really experienced the entire ebb and flow of that workout. Same thing with the hundred mile. You can have yourself in a situation where you feel like it could not get any worse. And it's really hard to convince your mind that things can turn around. Or what I like to say is it's really tough for your mind to acknowledge that continuing to do the thing that got you feeling that way could possibly actually reverse and put you in a position where you feel your best after that low point. So experiencing or acknowledging kind of those dips and peaks during training will help you recognize them in race day for what they are. Moments in time that will pass and could potentially get better. And when you can get yourself in a position where you are navigating those kind of those ups and downs that you see throughout the course of a race with a positive mindset, like I can get through this because it will get better if I just minimize my goals and take it one step at a time, you find yourself just breaking through those, those, those situations much more freely compared to when you're overthinking it. And that just takes practice. So another example of what I like to do for these things too, is also use the different workouts in your training to kind of focus on things that are going to be more useful on race day itself. So another one I really like is the mental component of the long run. So let's say, for example, again, I'm training for a hundred mile race, but I'm not going to run more than 30 miles in training. It seems like a long distance to go beyond that. 
but the culmination of all of my long runs together are going to greatly surpass the distance that I'm going to try to cover on race day. So first acknowledging that the volume at the goal intensity on race day is going to prepare you to be able to do it in a more congested time frame is a great mental place to put yourself in. Then it becomes time to actually do it and then think about what am I getting out of this outside of just the physical benefits of running that far that will translate to performance on race day. And that's actually visualizing what you're going to do out there on the, on the race course. So for these longer sessions and training, what I like to do is I like to put myself in a position on race day that I cannot experience in training. So if we use that 30 mile long run as an example, when I go out for that 30 mile long run, I'm pretending I'm 70 miles into the race I'm doing. So whatever course or track or trail or mountain that happens to be, I'm visualizing myself throughout that 30 mile long run, actually navigating that section of the course. I find when you do this during your long runs in training, what happens then is when you get to that point in the race itself, which can be a very difficult spot for a hundred mile race, because you have 70 miles in your legs already and 30 miles to go. If you let your mind go negative in that situation, it can easily create a bad finish or a DNF. Whereas if you let a positive mind state come in there, you can actually finish strong. And the way to finish strong is when you get to that point, minimizing it, thinking of it as I don't have 30 more miles to go with 70 miles in my legs. I have one more long run that I've practiced a bunch of times in training and I'm ready for, and I'm no longer here running hundred miles. I'm actually just doing one more long run. And if you, since you physically and mentally just went through that process through visualization in training, you can just pull that back up the way you did in training and make that feel much less insurmountable as you may think if you let your mind go in that negative direction. The other way I like to look at this too is even if we step away from endurance sport altogether and just think about the way that we process things in life and manage our schedules, there's a lot of clues in there that show us that we're able to really do this on race day and opportunities to practice it even outside of your training. So this is just your basic schedule. The way I like to look at it is when I'm planning out my week, I know that I have X number of things to accomplish between Monday and Sunday if I want that week to be successful from a career standpoint. So I acknowledge that those things are there. I may even write them down or document them on a calendar when they're going to happen. But once I have that structure there and that timeline built out, I'm no longer thinking about everything I have to do Monday morning when I start. I'm just thinking of that first thing on the list as to what I have to do. And I'm going to finish that, acknowledge it as a win, and then move on to the next one. So that process of actually taking it one step at a time, acknowledging it as a win is going to reinforce a positive headspace so that you're able to move from one to the next. And it can get difficult at times. You may find yourself inadvertently drifting into like how much you actually have to do. This is one thing that I have to remind myself of from time to time is like, pull myself back into the moment, realize today I have this list of things to do. I need to make sure I'm not thinking too far ahead. So for example, if I'm two thirds of the way through the, way, the day on Tuesday and I have you know, a third left of the things I'm supposed to finish that day and I start thinking about all the stuff I have to do on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, that can make it 
a negative mindset where I'm no longer working in the moment on the thing I know I need to be focusing on and potentially actually setting myself back by wasting mental energy and potentially time by over fixating on things that don't need to be worried about in that moment. So that's an opportunity when those things happen in your day-to-day -day life to practice that refocusing of, okay, I'll worry about Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday later. Right now, I just have to get the next thing on the list done and then trust that process that I set up at the beginning of the week to actually move through those things. So just a bit of a review here. Using your workouts to focus on both the physical development that you know that compounded over a training plan is going to prepare you to physically be able to do the race. You can do the exact same thing mentally. When you're going through these workouts, breaking interval sessions, sec sessions up the way you're going to want to break up race day is a great way to practice the mental ups and downs that you're going to experience on race day and teach yourself how to navigate them in a way where you're pulling back and keeping a positive mindset versus a negative mindset, minimizing things you actually have to do in the moment versus feeling like you have to do it all at once. Next, visualization with the race specific type stuff. So I use the long run as an example for a hundred mile race, because that's going to be the one that's the most specific. You're working through this opportunity to practice visualizing what you're going to do at the end of that race. So when you get there, it doesn't feel like it's new or something you have barely done or never done at all, but it's something you've done half a dozen to a dozen times before the race itself. Lastly, using other things in life to help you learn the mental approach as well. So something as simple as your schedule and how you break that out and focus on one task at a time are great ways to kind of put yourself in a position to be able to do this. All right, folks, those are my first order tips and tricks on working for your mental side of uh, endurance training and racing. But if you like this episode and want me to dive deeper into another component around this or bring on someone who is an expert in this type of category, feel free to reach out to me and let me know what your thoughts are. You can find me on my website at ZachBitter.com or on the socials, Instagram at ZachBitter, Twitter at ZBitter. Hey folks, just a quick reminder that this episode's sponsors include LMNT electrolytes and Delta G ketone esters. LMNT electrolytes can be found at drinklmnt.com forward slash HPO and are offering a free sample pack with your first purchase. And Delta G ketones can be found at deltagketones.com. Also, give them a follow at deltag.ketones on Instagram. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter. 